I'm a zombie! I've been bitten! You're listening to the Survival Podcast for zombie nerds everywhere. Zombies Ate My Podcast. Hello and welcome to Zombies Ate My Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me as always is the busy zombie lord, Lou Page. How's it going, Lou? It's going. That's great. And we're also joined by special guests. We teased it last episode, so it's not a surprise. But Jocelyn Kearney's here from the Gamers Inn and Angry Chicken to talk about Fear the Walking Dead. Jocelyn, welcome back. Oh, man, I was totally going to yell surprise, too. And then you're like, it's not a surprise. And I'm like, well, there goes my intro. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. Uh, You could just say some fries and it'd be fine. You just will re-record and uh, just say that uh, it'll be fine. We're not re-recording. We're not. No, Uh, you guys missed a whole good chunk of fun stuff before this. This is what happens when you take a week off. Uh, We are a week behind. Um, some life stuff came up, uh, but we are recording now. We're all ready to talk about Fear the Walking Dead, but I'm going to delay that a little bit because we have a fun new segment that I like to call the Resident Evil Village Corner. Ethan Winters. Ethan Winters. Mr. Winters. Ethan Winters. Ethan. For Ethan. Ethan Winters. Welcome. Now, Lou, you have finished Resident Evil Village, and we talked about that, Um, but between this recording and our last episode, there was a little event called E3. Capcom had a bit of news for us, and are you excited about some Resident Evil Village DLC? Yes, because I've beat the game three times now, and I'm looking to go back and do it a fourth. Wow, there you go. So you're all ready to to head back to the village. Okay, I should should preface everything I say with... with, with, specifics when you beat the game you, the first time you unlock the ability to all the achievements give you points and then you can go into the points and there's a store in game that you can use to buy extras for the next time you play through the game so the first time i beat the game i unlocked a a, a pistol with infinite ammo and some other other thing the second <laughs> time seems i seems like a little bit of cheating <laughs> the second time i beat the game I I had done it with the pistol with infinite ammo on an easier difficulty setting. And so when I did it again, I unlocked like another 200,000 points. And I unlocked a grenade launcher with infinite ammo and a pistol, (laughs) another pistol with infinite ammo and a machine gun with infinite ammo and a whole bunch of stuff. And so now I've unlocked almost every gun except for like two or I think there's two or three that have infinite ammo. So... By the time I do this a fourth time, I'm hoping I'll have everything. And this does something that I've always wanted a Resident Evil game to do. Whenever you unlock the infinite ammo stuff in Resident Evil, because they all have kind of have it, it always makes you play it through on the previous difficulty setting you beat it. If you play it on a harder setting, no, 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 you got to do that all over again from scratch. We're not going to let you have infinite ammo on hard. You got to beat it on hard first. No, no, no. You can play it on the hardest difficulty setting with infinite ammo as soon as you unlock infinite ammo. Nice. Which which sounds awesome until you realize how hard the ultimate difficulty setting is. 
Uh, I put 27 rounds in the starting zombie and it didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, and I went, oh, they're not playing fair. Okay. <laughs> well, you have infinite ammo, so it's not like. Yeah, but the starting zombie is in like a small area. So you have to like shoot him like five times and then he attacks and you have to put block. Then you put 12 more rounds in him and then he attacks and you have to block. And it, I was healing myself by the time I killed the first zombie. And I was like. Oh, this isn't going to be fun. <laughs> well, uh, I'm glad you got your infinite ammo and uh, you took out that first zombie and promptly turned the difficulty down because that doesn't sound fun. But uh, I look forward to playing Resident Evil Village uh, in the future when there's a super duper easy mode. Um, I, I have not picked it up yet. and Dude, The easy I, mode is super easy. It's, yeah. It, 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 it's like every time you pick up a, an ammo clip, in normal, they give you like five bullets at a time. Every time you pick them up in in on easy, it's like fifteen. Hmm. By the time I beat the game on easy the first time, I had like three hundred rounds still at the end of the game. I'm wondering, like I, so I've been watching Scott Johnson play. I'm I'm behind. I think he's finished it now, so I gotta yeah. catch up. Um, but I think he's playing on like easy difficulty, and I I think it's. It, it looks it looks more fun to me. He's still obviously in danger by the shrieks that I hear him uh, <laughs> let out, but um, he seems to be able to dispatch the monsters pretty quickly, uh, but still require some gameplay. Yeah, it, it's very. It, if each of the there's like four, possibly you could say five chapters of the game, and each chapter plays different. Mm-hmm. The first chapter is the only one where ammo is kind of scarce. And by the time you finish it, the second chapter, you don't even have guns. And then the third chapter is literally, it's more running than anything else. And you use most of the gun stuff in the fourth chapter. Yeah. Now It becomes an action game by that point. Yeah, I do like action games. And Jocelyn, I don't necessarily want to uh, panic you, um, even though we have uh, quite the podcast ahead of us. Um, I mean, <laughs> in the past with Resident Evil 7, I did it for Extra Life. Now, maybe there's something there. If folks really, really want me to play Village, uh, we could look into that. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm not really in any sort of rush to uh, to play. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll see. There hasn't been a sale yet. I think I just need to wait for sort of a pocket of time where there there aren't games coming out. But uh, I think we'll get that uh, in in a couple months. So we'll see. We'll see. But uh, that is the Resident Evil Village corner for this episode. But now we're going to move into the news. has completely devastated over 150 of the world's major regions and then is spreading rapidly. Now, I said we brought Jocelyn on to talk about Fear the Walking Dead, but I would not miss this opportunity to also bring her on to talk about Dead by Daylight, which is, I, would you say, probably one of your favorite games? Like, I know you do, you, you have Hearthstone, you have World of Warcraft, but like, it's top three, right? Dead by Daylight? Oh, definitely. I would say I would probably put uh, Dead by Daylight above WoW, actually. It's like it's right up there with Hearthstone for my favorite title. I mean, I I play it. I have a group of friends that I play with probably three to four nights a week. Nice. Yeah, that's great. And uh, so they recently had a Resident Evil chapter. Both Lou and I have not played it, but we are obviously uh, in the know as to what was added. You have Jill Valentine, um, the, the Leon Kennedy, almost said the other Leon, guy. Leon, yeah. <laughs> 
and the other guy. You know, and Nemesis. And Nemesis, thank you. Yeah, that well, other I mean, guy. It's really funny that you say like the other guy because to me, I'm not a Resident Evil fan. So to me, I'm just like, yeah, the the chick and the dude, and then this big guy with a whip. <laughs> well, those are tentacles, Jocelyn. We call those tentacles. Yeah, uh, sorry, tentacles. Okay, I, well, I wasn't sure. I mean, it looks very tentacly, but I might just have my mind in the gutter. I don't know. <laughs> well, tentacles don't have to. Well, anyways, we won't go down that road. But um, <laughs> I, I actually am really excited about this chapter. I just hadn't had a chance to check it out. There's a lot of like drip feeds of, of content coming out right now. Summer seems to be a really critical time for live service games to kind of give us big patches and big content drops. And uh, this is all just an excuse. I knew this was happening. I could have planned around it. But um, <laughs> I'm curious, have you had... Uh, an opportunity to to play as the killer nemesis because i think like that's the big unique part of this dlc like i'm gonna say something ignorant here but are the survivors more like a like a sort of a cosmetic thing or do they bring you know unique abilities to the game as well well, the killer is definitely the most unique piece in any DLC because every killer has their own unique power. So uh, Nemesis actually is the first time we've ever had zombies in Dead by Daylight. So um, his power, though, he does have the um, he infects people with with some blue goo, which probably well, makes sense to Resident Evil people. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, doesn't make sense to me, but I'll take Lou's word for it. I, I, okay. I My knowledge ends at tentacles, so. I feel like is does like T virus sound familiar? Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. 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 So that's it. Okay. That's it then. Um. So he basically infects people, and that's like powers up his tentacle. And as more and more survivors become infected, then he gets more powerful. But he has these like AI zombies that actually wander around the map, and they can like damage survivors as you're trying to play your normal game. So. It actually added a whole new kind of dynamic to because like normally survivors have a, a pretty good idea of what the map looks like, right? Like there's quite a few maps in Dead by Daylight now. We usually get one new map with each DLC and they do um, three DLCs per year. So it's a pretty steady flow of content. Um, but survivors, you, once you learn the map, you, you kind of have a really good idea of what's going on. But suddenly when you play against Nemesis, you have zombies chasing you too which means that you may not be able to loop the tile the way you normally would. And, you know, maybe a zombie is blocking a window because as soon as a zombie gets line of sight on you, they'll start moving towards you. Now, they're not like, they're not fast. They, don't, they aren't like a huge threat. They're just like an obstacle that you have to go around. And, uh, and it just adds another dynamic to the game. So... The Resident Evil chapter is actually a pretty big deal. Um, it's It's been a little bit buggy. They had to disable the map. I don't think the map's actually in the game as of right now, uh, which is really unfortunate because they took the police station from the second game and recreated it in Dead by Daylight. Okay. Like the whole thing, like top to bottom, every room is, oh. is in the Dead by Daylight map. Wow, that seems really big. It's huge. <laughs> so big <laughs> so which usually uh the bigger maps really do favor survivors so uh although the indoor maps do tend to favor killers so it's this really cool mix of like who's got the advantage sort of thing so uh, i'm looking forward to when they are actually able to uh, fix the bugs and actually get the map out but uh to your question ryan the survivors themselves 
though they are mostly cosmetic, um, each survivor does bring three new perks to the game. So you have to level up the two survivors from the DLC in order to be able to teach the other survivors. Um, so basically like the cosmetic that you want to play as, like for instance, I play as Kate, <laughs> who is, uh, who I guess she came out within the first couple of years of Dead by Daylight. But um, I have to level up the two survivors from Resident Evil in order to teach Kate their skills. So like they do bring unique skills to the game, um, but eventually all skills can be taught to all survivors and survivors don't have unique powers the way killers do. So the perk system works the same for killers and survivors in that you level up to a certain point and then you can learn those skills on different characters. But then each killer has like a specific thing they do, like the hunter throws hatchets, the nurse does this crazy teleport thing, uh, the trapper has <laughs> traps, you know, so every all the killers have some unique power. Uh, survivors aren't like that. Hmm. I mean, I remember we were talking about this uh, maybe either before the Gamers Inn or on the Gamers Inn, but with the addition of zombies in this chapter, that feels like very, um, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's it's very important that they added those zombies in, and that's kind of critical for, like, the Resident Evil um, sort of mythos. Like, you could see them just adding um the killer and then a couple of survivors like they had a lot to choose from there but the fact that they've actually added zombies in alongside nemesis as part of his kit is really really cool and and honestly a, a great way to to pay homage to to the series because like when the zombies are in there can you fight them off like do they do damage and you kind of have to just like struggle to get away from them or can you kill them like or you just have to avoid them um, it, it depends. And this is kind of why I like Nemesis is because he, he brings, um, like unique decision points to the game. So the zombies themselves can be killed if you drop a pallet on them, or they can be stunned with the beam of a flashlight. So if you flashlight them in the face, then they just kind of stand where they are and they're all disoriented for like probably about 20 seconds. And then they resume their patrol. Um, if you hit them with a pallet, then they'll despawn. But that means you're using up your flashlight battery because those are limited and you're using up a pallet on the map because those are limited. Now that it does take the zombies a little while to respawn, uh, Nemesis can actually also kill the zombies and that helps him gain his power faster. But then again, he's waiting a while for them to respawn and they actually give very good information about where the survivors are. They're like, um, they show up as like a, a white silhouette when you're playing as Nemesis. And you can see when they're just kind of idle and when they're actively chasing against, like chasing somebody. And so you kind of, it gives you some map awareness without having to actually use a perk that other killers would normally have to use. So um, it is potentially like worth a pallet for a survivor to kill a zombie if it's giving away their position. Like there's a lot of give and take there. And I think it's a really interesting mechanic. Wow. That's really cool. All right. Well, I'm convinced. You've sold me. Yeah, we gotta we gotta check this out. Uh, maybe those in the Zamp Discord uh, will want to are convinced as well. And I mean, if you're looking to play Dead by Daylight, uh, the base game is on sale right now. I did not realize this, but the Steam Summer Sale started today, so there's probably yes, some did. great stuff in there, including Dead by Daylight. It's also Dead by Daylight's fifth anniversary, and the event starts on June 30th and runs till July 15th. So there's it's a really good time to get in right now because there's going to be a lot of like bonus XP events. 
Nice. Wow, that, oh. that, 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 that says a lot, because the last time I played the game, the uh, doctor with the electrocution rod thing had mm-hmm. just come out, and the game was super unbalanced, and that's why I never went back. <laughs> Wow. Well, I mean, there's still definitely balanced conversations to be had, although I think it's uh, tipped a little bit more in the survivor's favor now. <laughs> oh, that's good, because I'm terrible at playing the killer, so this kind of works <laughs> out. Uh, well, that's great. So definitely check that out on Steam. And the Resident Evil chapter isn't on sale, but I think it's like 15 bucks US, 20 Canadian, or maybe even less. Uh, it's, it's like 1350 Canadian, um, which it is a little bit more expensive. Uh, they did this with the stranger things chapter as well, because they had, uh, two survivors and one killer. Normally it's one survivor, one killer. So with the three characters, it's a little bit more expensive than their normal DLC. Plus it's licensed. So yeah, but uh, but yeah, so it's probably, yeah, it's probably $10 American. I would guess. (laughs) Cool. Well, get on that folks. Um, speaking of Resident Evil, we have another story here from Netflix where they have announced the cast for the live action Resident Evil show. And, uh, this is the one where, uh, you know, set three decades after the discovery of the T-virus. So pushing it way, way past sort of Resident Evil one era. And you've got uh, a focus on Albert Wesker and his kids. Now, I don't know who all of these people are, except for Lance Reddick, who is the dude the sort of bad guy from Horizon, and he's also in um, Fringe, I think. But yep. I, I mean, I know him from Horizon uh, Zero Dawn, and so does Jocelyn. He's um, also the chief of police in Bosch on on Amazon. Oh, really? I gotta watch yeah. Bosch. He'd be pretty good as a chief of police, I think. Um, well, he's gonna be the chief of Umbrella uh, Corporation, so he's gonna be playing Albert Wesker. This is the um weird casting but i'll take it yeah he definitely has the voice you know here's the thing about um albert wesker and lance reddick i don't i'm looking forward to seeing what they do but my thing is that albert wesker to me always came off yeah he was he was this cocky guy but he was kind of an idiot (laughs) like he was not really he never really came off as 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 a smart evil guy he was sort of just there and he had the power and i'm really interested to see how like if lance reddick is going to play him like he plays a lot of his other characters like when you think of lance reddick you think of sort of i don't know i haven't seen him in a lot but he kind of has that lance reddick he's also in all the john wick movies he's the guy that uh, checks him into the hotel is he oh yeah. yeah okay I've only seen the first John Wick, so I I know I'm terrible. Um, yes, you are. But I'm looking forward to seeing what what he does with this character because really, when it comes to Resident Evil, we have this like long history. But part of the great, sometimes part of the great things with uh, with a long running franchise is just trying something completely new. And I think Lance Reddick can probably breathe new yeah. life into Albert Wesker. Well, that and Netflix is known for kind of changing things up and changing directions and. I kind of suspected that Netflix would do something like this. So when it the news hit, I was like, all right, all right, I'll give it a shot. You got a trailer to sell me. Yeah, yeah. That's no trailer yet. Answer. That's my usual answer is give me a trailer and then I'll make a decision. And if the trailer is really bad, I will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jocelyn, will you watch a Resident Evil series if it stars Lance Reddick and it reminds you of Horizon Zero Dawn? Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. Not because it's a well, <laughs> post-apocalyptic robot war, but you know, 
it's Lance Reddick. No, but I mean, like, I, I've seen the Resident Evil movies um, a long time ago now, but um, and I didn't think they were that bad. And I mean, I love him, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm down. I'll give it a try. Yeah, I think he. So before he was cast. And we just kind of had like what this what the series was going to be about. I think there was like a bit of a leak, and then Netflix confirmed it was going to be about Albert Wesker and his kids. And when I heard that, I was like, we, on the show, we were like, eh, that does not sound good. But like Lance Reddick <laughs> raises it. it; it makes it like I'm willing to give it a shot because he's in it because he is fascinating, and I think he'll he'll make a really good. It definitely tells me I think we're gonna get more of a prequel story than an actual Resident Evil story, and that's fine. Well, I don't expect... the thing. I have no idea who this character is, like who he's meant to be playing. So I just look at this and go, "Yep, I'm in." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the basic the, the basic idea is is in the beginning of the game, in the first game, there you're a bunch of cops investigating a a, a a missing person case, and you get trapped in a mansion. And what you find out is, is that the guy who's the chief of your department actually works for the corporation that's created the virus. And he actually is a scientist pretending to be a police officer so that he could uh. infiltrate the cops. And he ends up being a bad guy. And then they, they, they like you think he's dead at the end of the first game. And then he shows up again in another game. And then he shows up again in another game. And you're like, why isn't this guy de- dead? And you find out he's infected with the virus. That's why he doesn't die. And uh. so it's like, it, it, so, so the fact that he's in this. And he's very different looking than he is in the games. It, 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 it's it it it, it it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think it'll be great, and uh, it's the first good sign we've had for this <laughs> Netflix series after the really weird sort of uh, byline for it. But um, E3 was oh, happened over the last couple of weeks. We had a couple of uh, not new news, but some news about games that we already knew about. Um, Evil Dead the Game, which is a 4v1 shooter, sort of similar to Dead by Daylight. Um, it's going to have... It looks... The animations that they've put in this game look incredible. Like, from for a 4v1 sort of asymmetrical horror competitive game, I think they've really taken what Dead by Daylight has done and ratcheted it up. And, like, there's more kill animations. It's more action-based. Like, the survivors are not helpless. And I think that the killer, quote unquote, is more of a director, similar to Left 4 Dead's uh, AI director, where you're kind of like throwing monsters at the survivors to try to stop them from progressing or completing the map. More characters in this than I was expecting. The first time they showed us a trailer, there was like four characters. And I figured that that's all we were going to get. And they've slowly revealed that there's going to be like eight or nine characters in this game, I think. Yeah, they're pulling from across the Evil Dead sort of universe. You've got uh, definitely the, you know, um, Ash, the the classic Evil Dead trilogy. But then you also have uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead TV show. And I think I may have seen like maybe some expanded universe stuff where I think his sister. Yeah, is... his sister is in the first movie, but she gets turned into one of the monsters. And they've revealed that she's going to be in it and not changed. Huh. And and maybe I'm mistaken, but when I was watching the trailer, it kind of looked like they maybe pulled in some characters from the reboot, which is sort of connected, but maybe not really. Yeah, uh, but that might have been the daughter, the sister that was confusing me. It could have been the sister. The one thing that surprised me is they kept showing this blonde guy, but never really identifying him. 
And if he's who I think he is, it's really funny that they added him to the game because it's like his only acting credit is is Evil Dead 2. <laughs> and he went on to be a QVC salesman for years. And so my mother would be watching stuff on TV and she'd be watching QVC and every time he'd be on TV, I'd be like, it's the guy from Evil Dead. And she'd be like, shut up. And so then I saw this blonde guy running across the screen as one of the heroes and I was like, no way. Did they reach out to QVC and get this guy's likeness rights again? I, I bet they did. And if they did, it's going to be hilarious for me. That would be pretty fantastic. I mean, it looks like it's going to be uh, a very faithful to the franchise creation. And uh, it looks like a lot of fun. So definitely check out the trailer. Uh, another piece of news, a game we've been following for since it was announced uh, last, I think late last year, is Back for Blood which is going to be coming day one to Xbox Game Pass, both on Xbox and PC, uh, on launch day, October 12th. So if you are a Game Pass subscriber, you're going to be able to pay or play Back for Blood at no extra cost, which is a pretty big deal. Like This is a third-party game available on PlayStation, PC, all that. But if you are willing to dive into the Microsoft Xbox ecosystem on your PC and ignore Steam for a little bit, you don't have to pay for uh, you don't have to pay extra for Back for Blood. Now, Lou, does this convince you to install the Xbox app on your PC? No, because uh, it now has a Steam listing. So there you go. Well, I'll be playing on uh, Game Pass, and here's the thing. Although I I probably won't if there's no um, crossplay. Because if there's no crossplay, I'll have no one to play with because Lou will be on Steam and. <laughs> He'll bring everybody over to Steam. So that is the only trouble here. I don't know if well, there's a... You know. I, I have to say, when this first got announced, everything was being pointing me towards Epic. And I mean, I'll buy... I was going to buy it on Epic if I had to. But all of a sudden, like maybe maybe two, three weeks ago, it showed up as a pre-order on Steam. And I was like, wait, what? I thought this was an, an Epic Games exclusive. And apparently it's not. Mm. So I'll take it. Yeah, well, I'll take my wins where I can get them. That sounds good to me. I, I think like, you know, companies have been really good to sort of prioritize crossplay, specifically across the ecosystems on the PC, because that makes there's no barriers there from a, outside of a technical standpoint. There's no like financial barrier to have to pay a platform to have crossplay enabled. Um, Jocelyn, I don't know if you played a lot of Left 4 Dead, but essentially this is the sort of spiritual successor to left for dead and i mean this being on game pass does that make you want to jump in day one to check it out or i mean zombies but uh definitely <laughs> it's a lot of fun honestly i mean i'll probably since it's available on game pass i find myself trying a lot of things that i probably wouldn't otherwise so i mean i'll probably check this out on game pass plus i'm always looking for stuff to play on the xbox right like yeah. <laughs> gotta justify that purchase somehow more than just with mass effect <laughs> <laughs> i feel you on that uh <laughs> hey well there you go i'll have at least you and i can you'll, you'll go have after me at least yep <laughs> and uh lou we'll bring you along for the ride we'll, we'll figure it out i mean i don't know if they've even announced their plans for crossplay, but at this stage like if it's microsoft funny, at the bottom it's funny at the bottom of the article the only question in the comment section is uh did they say anything about crossplay? play <laughs> I, I don't think that that's the kind of business stuff that kind of comes together really close to launch, but I, I don't see Microsoft putting, you know, putting money into back for blood to have it on game pass day one. If there's not going to be some form of cross play available, because I think that's, 
that's really been Microsoft's sort of push for gaming is to kind of allow everybody to play together no matter where they're playing or how they're playing both from a technical or a platform or an accessibility side of things so I imagine if yeah. i imagine if one person is against gate uh, cross play it'll be sony and those people can live in their own universe that's true they do they do live in their own universe but you know what we like uh, we like sony players as well uh but uh yeah so that look forward to that look forward to back for blood October 12th on Game Pass, as well as a bunch of other platforms. But now we get to our main event, which is Fear the Walking Dead. Shit, I'm a stick. That's a big stick. Right. As that clip alludes to, uh, they nuked the show, literally. Um, not to jump to the end here, we are going to focus. Yeah, you're kind of jumping through yeah. everything. <laughs> Look, hey, I had to, because it's it's the big thing. And uh, here's here's the thing. like We're going to talk about, um, we can talk about anything Fear the Walking Dead Season 6, but obviously in terms of stuff we haven't talked about yet, it's the second half, Episode 9 through 16. Although, we got to... We got to acknowledge uh, the Dory in the room, uh, Dory Jr., who who did. Oh my exit. god! <laughs> and uh, we did not get your thoughts, Jocelyn. Let's let's hear it on that. Oh, he was my favorite character, and not just in Fear the Walking Dead. Like in, I don't like recent television memory. I just I just loved watching him on screen and I've seen him in other shows and he's been kind of like meh whatever but there was something about that actor in this role that I just I just loved he almost and, always plays a bad guy so I was really happy to see him playing like a hero the yeah. only other thing I could think of where he played a hero kind of is he's the dad in Raising Hope <laughs> And that, okay, and, I haven't and, seen him in that. I knew him from uh, Mindy Project, yeah. where he was kind of like this jerk that kind of got better over the course of the show, but yeah, still wasn't likable all the time. <laughs> no, he, he that's kind of the characters he regularly plays. So when I saw him in this, I was like, yeah, I like And then lo and behold, they killed him off. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, he... <sighs> He went out in a way that was like he was himself to the end, which I was happy to see. But like even even when he crawled out of the river, I thought they were still going to redeem him. Like I was broken after that episode. <laughs> I was like, oh. Oh, she's going to get there in time. She's going to get look. He's still moving. It's fine. Oh, no, it's not no, fine. No, no. <laughs> well, I read I read stuff afterwards. Because people were asking him about like what it was like to leave the show, and he was like, "Eh, my contract came to an end, and I'm getting offers for other stuff." I just yeah, he he very much had the like it was time time to leave, and it was it was really too bad because I I did like the character of John Dory quite a lot. I liked him and June and just their their whole story, um and and so it, 
like I say, he was one of my favorite characters in recent television. So it was it was really hard to to let him go. But I thought that they kind of gave him a, a fair send off. Like he got to be a zombie, which is pretty cool in a zombie show. Like they're usually really good about like if they kill people, they make sure they don't turn and stuff like that. It's it's, you know, like yeah. normally yeah. there's you don't get to see characters that you've grown to love turn zombie. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a, a really the, unique touch. The other thing, too, is is the aftermath where they were like, yeah, don't kill Virginia. And it's Dakota's fault. He's dead. And uh, I was like, I was like, my first thought was, is neither Dakota nor Virginia will make it through the rest of this season. And lo and behold, the next episode, Virginia gets killed by by June. And I was like, which right, you had I'm to like, see coming, right? Oh, yeah, I was like, <laughs> OK, all right. All right. And then. We'll uh, jump ahead here for a second, but I kept waiting for Dakota's character to like kind of redeem herself. And the whole season, she did what I hate about The Walking Dead. They they just don't know how to write teenagers, mm. and so her character keeps making like really bad choices, like the whole season. And I was like, she's not gonna make it. And then lo and behold, nuclear bomb goes off and she gets turned to ash. And I was like, yeah, that's about <laughs> what I was expecting. They vaporized her, literally. Like, uh... yeah, which is, I think it's, I think they struggle in general with, um, like how to write teenagers in an apocalypse because it's such this like wild set of circumstances, right? And I mean, teenagers, yeah. kids, and teenagers can be difficult to write, anyways. And then trying to figure out how not only they would act in an apocalypse, but then how people around them would act. And you never really, as a producer of a television show, even something that is as gory and full of death as something that literally has dead in the title, it's got to be really hard to write the death of people under the age of 18, right? Yeah. Like, you know, they don't want adults killing kids. They just don't. So... You've got a character that might make poor decisions because she's a teenager and even kids like teenagers in this day and age with no apocalypse make poor decisions. So she's probably going to be easily misled, especially when she's been brought up by a villain and lied to her whole entire life. Like that's a recipe for disaster in a normal world, let alone an apocalyptic yeah. world. And so she probably would make a lot of bad decisions. But if it was the real world, someone would have killed her long before the last episode. <laughs> like she, she wouldn't have lasted, but I think they didn't know how to get rid of her. So we ended up with Ash bomb. <laughs> and I'm fine with that. It, it, it did what I wanted it to do. Uh, uh, in fact, I was surprised in general that they let it go off. I was like, Oh wow. They're really changing things up. Okay. This is going to be different next year. And that's fine. I, I, I think that's one of the things I'd like about this show is that every season is very different than the last usually. Or it's like every other season. They change up the game enough that you go, oh, wow, things are going to be different next season. And, and they kind of are. So, I mean, the, yeah, bomb thing, I think... the, bomb, the bomb thing didn't bother me, except for some, some of how they handled it. I think they did a really bad job of explaining some stuff. But other than that, I was okay with it. Yeah, I had the same kind of impression that you did about just the fact that they let the bomb go off. I think you're you're right in saying that they do change the show quite significantly. 
every season or two. Like they either shift locations or they have big cast shakeups or, you know, like in ways that the original Walking Dead just didn't really do. Like they are just kind of like always in and around the East Coast. (laughs) Like nothing really changes too much there like the climate doesn't change the cast like there's obviously been turnover in the main uh the main cast of walking dead but they don't like shake the world up the way fear does and i really didn't like fear the walking dead in the first few seasons Um, but it's (laughs) but it's really grown on me and they've done some really cool stuff including like i really thought right up until the very end they were going to be able to stop the bomb and then they're like nope it's up in the air and then i'm like well how can they stop it when it's up in the air it's like oh they can't i'm like oh and then it just turns out that like everyone's gonna live anyway because plot armor like how do you dodge a nuclear bomb under a freaking 18 wheeler that's so stupid (laughs) well we didn't get this in canada but in the states in the 60s they uh they had like really powerful uh, desks that you could hide under. No, uh, yeah, <laughs> no. Wasn't that a? Wasn't that like? I again, this is all through pop culture. A Cold War thing. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, okay. I, I can I can testament that in the eighties as a child, they we had nuclear uh, uh, we had nuclear blast uh, test training training really, and they made Drills? us hide, they made us hide under our desks. That's what they made us do. Or they made us go into the basement of the school and sit at the sit on chairs and wait till they told us the test was over. Hmm. That's what they did. Well, there was no safety. If a bomb had gone off, we'd all be dead, but they made us all go down in the basement. (laughs) And yet these bombs go off. 10 bombs go off. 10 nuclear warheads are detonated and somehow they're okay in a storm cellar. They're okay under an 18 wheeler. They're okay in a helicopter. Like that thing would have been blown out of the air. Like, I don't know. I was just like, wow. If, not, if nothing else, it might've had an EMP effect on it. Cause that's what happens yeah. when nuclear bombs go off. So I was like, oh, wow, we're going to get some technology problems. And it was like, no, everything works. I was like, oh, okay. I also All struggled right. with that because I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking like, okay, this, if if they're all nuclear bombs, like they're all warheads, uh, nuclear warheads, they're going to go off. There were like 16 in, in one missile, they said, I think it was. Uh, ten. Uh, it was 10, yeah, ten. it was 10. Still, crazy number. They had number. 14 possible, they had 14 possible missiles, each with 10 warheads, but they only got one fired. That's yeah, crazy. My only thought is, is that when they're inside the submarine and... Morgan wants to go through that door that's full of radiation, and they tell him no. They tell him that there's a leak. My only thought is that maybe the nuclear warhead that went off wasn't as dangerous as they had projected because of the leak. And I'm guessing that we're going to get some kind of summation of that next season. They're going to go, oh, well, that nuclear warhead wasn't nearly as powerful because there was a leak in that warhead. Insert Grace's nuclear knowledge here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there is uh, like the, the bomb going off. I feel like we're going to get answers next season in terms of like what that means for the landscape. But, uh, you know, there was I think the one group of like, definitely Morgan and Grace hiding under an 18 wheeler and sort of escaping, I guess, the blast wave. Like they were far enough away that they weren't going to be turned to ash, but there was still like high, high winds, I guess. Um <laughs> But there was a lot about Ooh, the stakes, Ryan, <laughs> a warm breeze blew their way. <laughs> Look, sometimes, hey, you get blown over and then you land on a 
pile of walkers. I don't know. Um, it it felt to me like that was the hardest one to process because Grace and Morgan were both like, "No, this is this is it. If we're here when the bomb goes off, we're done." And then they kind of survive through like hurricane training by like get under the heaviest object. I don't know if that's a real thing. I, I was about. okay with everybody else kind of surviving. The only thing I didn't like was that, and I didn't wasn't mad that Morgan and and Grace survived with that baby, but I was like, why didn't they just get back? If they had gotten back in the submarine or something, like I might have been able to be like, oh, okay, so they survived the blast, but maybe they got to get out of the radiation zone fast or something next season. Like, I like it, it, it's still not great, but you could do them getting underneath the truck. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it was a radiated, little much, yeah. Right? Like, they're... If she was struggling with, with uh, being radiation poisoned, like, she's got to... They both have to be suffering some sort of radiation sickness. Like, they were they were hit full on by that blast, unless it was just the, the shockwaves. But I, I like your reasoning that it was a leak. Yeah, that's what I find so hard to tell, too, is because, like, I personally don't know a whole lot about nuclear warheads. I have no idea how big their fallout zone might be. Um, Like, obviously, they test nukes around the planet all the time, so it can't be that world-endingly bad. Um, but, yeah, like... far less than you'd suspect. <laughs> so, the, the thing is, though, I'm just, I'm really kind of... Um, I guess, naive when it comes to what the impacts of those things would be. And I'm guessing like Dakota being at like, what the, what did he call it? The front row seat or something. Like I'm guessing yeah. that they were a whole lot closer and I'm totally fine with like June and uh, John Dory senior uh, living through, which we haven't even really talked about yet. The <laughs> fact that there's a senior now um, who I also actually super love, but yeah. um they uh, like them going down into what was clearly Teddy's plan to survive the whole thing like that. That jives with me. I was a little bit less cool with the whole Sherry Dwight situation. I was like, ah, shelter's not very deep. <laughs> it's a well, storm shelter, right? My thought with them is, is that they were probably far enough away that they did. They, you didn't you didn't see their explosion. You just. Yeah, it was kind you, of hard to tell. And especially with like Strand up in the up in the high rise, it was like. That seemed like he was the same distance as Dakota. He's totes fine, and she's in a pile of ash now. I don't understand the physics of this at all. Yeah, <laughs> no. which I think like it kind of um, is on the writers to explain that a little bit better, and they really kind of didn't. They were super vague with like where the targets were going to be, and like I don't know. I I think that they just and they also all started off at the sub. And then it seemed like everybody just went in different directions. And I really didn't understand that because that was another thing that they didn't really seem to show. It was just like everyone kind of scattered. Mm -hmm. the, the funny thing for me is, is the whole time that there's like the countdown and the missiles in the air and Morgan's being like, I can't stop this. I can't stop this. And then Grace comes down to help him and they're like going to shoot themselves. And I was like, you know, oh, God. it took two keys that two people had to turn. Maybe you go over and turn the keys back the other way. Yeah, like, just <laughs> disable the whole system first. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, it's like the missiles in the air. If you turn the keys the other way and pull them out, wouldn't that deactivate everything? And maybe the missile would just go boom and fall in the ocean. Maybe. Wow. 
I don't know. I, I, I feel mean, like I would it's have said there. it's it's worth a shot, right? And if nothing else, they know that that sub's still full of nuclear missiles, so you turn it off. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was what like, if somebody comes down and goes, oh, maybe this is a flight simulator and like, <laughs> shoots off 14 missiles? <laughs> but that yeah. was my thought. I was, I was like, they're making it like this is really complicated. What if it's really easy? Is that what they're going to do at the last minute? And I was like, oh, no, that's not what they're going to do. The other thing they're I got to say, leave it. <laughs> the other thing I got to say is the situation with the baby and the dog. I was like, why are you stealing from the movie uh, Cargo? Why? Yeah. Like, th- like there was a short film and then a Netflix movie with the same plot as this lady, what she did with the with the baby. Why are you doing that in this movie? That is such a dumb idea. Yeah, as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh wow!" Like they're like that was a pretty popular short film, and then oh, I was like, "I have no idea what that is." <laughs> well, it's, a, it's an Australian short film that was done like maybe ten years ago, eight years ago. It started right around the time we did this, started this show because it was one of the first episodes. It was one of the things we talked about. It's like a ten-minute short where this guy, it's a zombie outbreak. This woman and her husband are trying to escape. She ends up infected. She bites her husband, and he realizes that they need to get their baby safe. And so he straps a piece of brain to, like, a thing and dangles it in front of his own face because he knows he's going to change, and then straps the baby to his back, and he ties a thing in his mouth so he can't bite the baby. And he has it just lead him to civilization. And that's that's the short story. And then, like, three years later, Netflix bought the rights to the short story then brought in, um, what's his name? Martin from... Freeman. Martin Freeman. And he did a actual movie. It's a full-length, two-hour monstrosity that's the same plot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, we watched and, it and, on the and, show. And, and, yeah. And so when they did it in this, I was like, really? You're not even trying. This is lazy writing. I, they need to get the baby <laughs> well, from point I mean, A to point B, right? Like, what else yeah. do you do? Do you, you put it in like a basket and float it down the well, river they, like they needed just... to get they needed it to get from point a to point b without a mom that was yeah. key right yeah. <laughs> yeah i i mean that 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 brings up a good point there's there's a couple things we haven't talked about and i think this probably leads into Lou's least favorite episode but the whole um the storyline for for grace and i really felt like that I ending dream episodes yeah I episode... hate them. <laughs> Episode 12, that ending was probably the most gut-wrenching ending we've had for any Walking Dead episode. And I, I don't know, it, Lou or Jocelyn, if you saw that ending coming, but it just felt like it, it felt like they haven't. It, it's the same thing with, with, you know, writing kids, right? Like they're not very good at it and they try to avoid a lot of the uh, a lot of the younger characters. And I just there's this. There's this part of me that likes to watch the show and and likes the zombie genre because I want to see them explore like, you know, the idea of having kids in the apocalypse, the idea of something as mundane as like cooking for your community, you know, like that sort of stuff. Like it's all sort of make believe, move your hands and it happens, right? And to see them sort of look into that and, and, and kind of explore it is is fascinating, but also you know, very hard to watch, like, the the possibilities of it happening, right? As like, someone that just had a kid, it seems like this year, more so than any other year, TV shows keep killing babies. Like, uh, it happened in uh, an episode of the new Sabrina show on Netflix, 
and my wife and I had to stop watching it because we have a newborn at home. So every time a kid mm. dies, it's like watching our own kid die. And so we're like, nope, not watching that. I have to stop watching that. And I had to sit through it. And the whole episode, it's a dream sequence. And I'm like, she's not going to, they're going to kill the baby. They're not going to die. They're going to kill the baby. This is a dream. They don't handle dreams correctly. Uh, it, 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 when you're in a dream, things don't make sense. Things are making sense here. The, the dream worlds don't work like this. And and it, it, it just, it. I hate episodes with dreams. They just don't make any sense. In, in, in a, well, and in I a, think the other thing is, too, other than this uh, episode 12 just straight up being a dream episode, we also kind of just came off. There's one episode in between, but we just came off the Daniel episode with him having like not necessarily dreams, but like hallucinations slash yeah. forgetting things. And, you know, like so we just had a messed up brain episode. Mm -hmm. and, and now we're getting that, another one. And now we're getting another one. And the Daniel episode wasn't the greatest either. So I no. like, and I mean, it sounds like <laughs> I've been just like we kind of are hitting on all the down points, I think, because honestly, well, like dead. I did. Well, but I did really enjoy Fear the Walking Dead this season. I thought it was yeah. really good. Mm -hmm. yes. um, and I feel like we're hitting on all the bad parts here, but oh, like, yeah, there well, was some well, good well, stuff. <laughs> my, my favorite stuff was the death cult. I mm. love the death cult. Uh, <laughs> and mostly because I love um, the actor who played the leader of the 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 uh, the, the 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 bad guys. Yeah, I think it's um, uh, it's John Glover, and he has yeah, John some amazing deliveries. I just have to play this before you just listen to this. <laughs> All right, he I got other ones, but he just he <laughs> he just like he brings so much to it. It's not bullshit, Hayes. It's revelation. He's ah, uh, he's fantastic. Um, and I'm so always, glad they always cast him. He always plays a bad guy, and you can't help but want to root for him to be the bad guy and be like, <laughs> "Yeah, you're the bad guy," but I can't help but like you. <laughs> he, oh my god, I good. hated him. You oh did? man, I wanted him to die so many times. Well, yeah, you want him to die, but like, there's something about his delivery of his lines paired alongside everything else that's going on. I didn't hate him. My problem with death cults and, and cults in these type of shows in general is that, yes, the leader is always this like charismatic, uh, bringing people together for his cause and, and, and it always has this personality that is like, like Negan. It, it, it's yeah. kind of fun to watch. Um, but it's his, it's the followers that are the frustrating ones. And I think mm. that's where I struggled with the death cult is like, it's not necessarily bad writing. It's just the setup of a death cult. The leader is the personality and everyone else is like, you guys are idiots. Like, especially his main idiot. I can't remember what his name was, but he was like, he just kind of had a face that like screamed. I, I, I joined a death cult. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't even remember his name. It's just he had this like. I yeah, don't remember his name either. This look to him, and uh, well, yeah. that, you, that this isn't his first post-apocalyptic movie. I mean, he was uh, in Terminator Three. He's John Connor. That's oh wow! Actor. Really? Okay, yeah, that's, that's why he guy. looks familiar. He looks like a yes. old uh, John he's Connor. Also, he's also in um, Sin City as well. He's one of the bad guys. Uh, was that the guy, was that the character, the actor who kind of went a little crazy? He was the yellow bastard. Yeah. But didn't he have like yeah. drug issues and stuff? So he's coming yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. I mean, if Fear the Walking Dead can bring back the kid from, uh, Air Bud, I think Fear the Walking Dead can do anything really. 
<laughs> so there's that. Well, so, like I said, the the Death Cult. The my whole question the whole time with the Death Cult was: Is he's going to set off these warheads? And he's talking like he's going to go down and die with everybody else, and he's locked Alicia in that thing so that whatever. And I so was she like, can start a new world or something. Or yeah, and I'm like, that's great. That's fine. That's okay. That's okay. That's a neat idea. And then when he reveals that the other guys are okay with dying with him, I was like, oh, okay. These are people that are, like, depressed and he's given them a reason to live. You're going to kill everybody else along with yourself. I was like, oh, okay. I, I think there's a few too many of them at this point, but I could definitely see three or four guys being his right-hand men because they want to die at the end of the world, too. Okay, I get it. Yeah, it's a death call. You ever been in a death call? That's, uh... <laughs> no, I've never been well, in a death well, call. My question death... is, does anyone know where Alicia is now? <laughs> uh, I think they have an understanding that she's at a hotel. They do, they do know where she is by idea. They don't know exactly where she is. Um, Although, cause, somebody... okay, so the way that they were told was in the in the finale, right? Um, Daniel and, and that crew that were in the big SWAT car... Uh, yeah. They were. They said, "Yeah, Alicia's at a hotel. Blah blah blah. Oh, I'll take. We'll take you there." But then they weren't actually going there, so they don't know where it is. And it came from the traitor guy. So, to cool. me, that feels like they're not gonna like, or they're gonna take that with a grain of salt, or they're gonna think that they're lying or something. I don't know. It just it seems. I don't. I don't know what they're doing with Alicia. It almost seems like the actress doesn't want to be in the show very much or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe i mean she is kind of well, the last it's, it's, she's giving me she's giving me maggie vibes right like <laughs> she maybe has other things going on in the real world other job offers or something and then that's not going to pan out and then she's going to come back like in a season and be like hey i'm a main character again remember me i totes didn't die <laughs> yeah I, I believe she's from the uk so she might be in a similar situation to uh to andrew lincoln who wants to kind of go back mm. home for a bit um but yeah, like she's she's been around since the beginning. I I could see her. The, her yeah. and Strand are the only characters surviving. We're the only ones from yeah. the first season. Oh, Strand. So I feel like they can't kill they they can kill one of them off, but the other one has to live and become the new main character. That's they kind of if they don't keep somebody from the first season around, it feels like the show is kind of gonna be really I different. Actually... Yeah, but I think that that could actually be okay because I think that's one of the things that I really like about Fear the Walking Dead is that they Anybody's, don't... Everybody, nobody's safe. Nobody's safe, yeah. Everybody is kind of like up for grabs when it comes to, to deaths and, and their cast seems to be like moving forward in an interesting way because like even like I, I really did think and now I think maybe his plot armor is just way too thick but I really did think that they were just going to kill Morgan like I thought this was this was the end this was his big finale because like honestly I feel like his characters maybe a little bit played out now I feel like I've seen everything that character has to offer like he's been super crazy he's been a really good guy he's been a really bad guy like he's kind of run the gamut <laughs> over the two shows like I don't know where they take him this interesting and new so I kind of thought they were going to be done with him so when he lived through the finale I was like oh okay interesting choice because I wanted to see somebody else kind of take the reins like his character almost just like walked in from walking dead and took over and became the main focus and i i wish that they would kind of move beyond that now yeah and in in terms of strand i think they're setting him up to be the next like big bad yeah. that's the rumor there's a lot of rumors floating around um 
that actor specifically, I've seen like three trailers in the past year with him in them, and I'm like, wow, he's fitting a lot of things in besides Fear the Walking Dead. <laughs> um, so my thought is, is that they're probably going to make him the villain next season, kill him off, and then he's done with the show. Yeah, yeah. It, it did seem, and I mean, I I wasn't a hundred percent sure if he had kind of like walked into the lion's den in the finale there, because I mean, his character has kind of been again, a hit and miss. And the one thing that they do in fear the walking dead more than any other show I watch is they'll do like a character will be in an episode and then not featured for like three or four. And then, Oh, they're back again. He's back from patrol or, or back from his journey of whatever. And, you know, like they've, they've done that a lot with him and, He's another one that seemed very one note as well, where he's just like, I'm totally on your side, but also I'm just out for me. And it's like, okay. I I have a problem with characters that don't learn. Yeah, that don't grow at all. Yeah, they don't grow. And and, and there's always a thing people say, people don't change. And that, that that's true to some extent. You, you never become a totally different person, but most people learn from their mistakes. Some people don't, but I'd say it's like a 50 Most people do. Most people do. And it's like, Strand's one of those characters where, like, he keeps making the same mistakes and bad things keep happening. And then the next season, you feel like, oh, man, he's become like a hero. Cool. And then all of a sudden, they need a plot to change. So they go, okay, Strand, it's time for you to do your bad thing again so that we can <laughs> yeah. get this show back on track. And it just... it. It feels like a gimmick, and I'm like, oh, he great. Like, he kicks Morgan into a group of zombies. Like, you're right, Jocelyn. Like, Morgan survived quite a bit in this season, and I feel like th- this was their one. Like, if they wanted to keep Morgan around and have him basically be, a, you know, a superhero, y- you you got that this season. And I and I really think they need to stop making him invincible. So hopefully next season he at least has a bit of a cough from the radiation poisoning. <laughs> um but uh strand like kicking him into that group of zombies and then morgan once they meet up again kind of like he was like this close i'm holding my fingers really close together he was this close to forgiving him again you know mm-hmm. he, he basically brushed it off as like we're not going to talk about this right now but in his like really friendly morgan voice so i'm pretty sure he was going to forgive him in that moment for kicking him into a group of zombies because strand literally says like Oh well, if I hadn't kicked you into those zombies, you wouldn't have found the key card, and you know now we now we can stop the the nukes. And it's like really strand. Yeah, it <sighs> just it was it felt that whole that episode. Um, it, it was okay, but I again I feel like it redeemed itself in the end because they didn't get there in time. If all yeah. that stuff had happened and then they'd been like, "Maha, we have foiled your evil plot," I would have been like, "Ugh." But because they didn't get there in time, because of their squabbling and whatever, and the and the crap that they pull or that Strand pulled, then I felt like that redeemed the episode a lot in my eyes. But um, yeah, overall, I just feel like they they've kind of written Strand into a corner because he has done that turn on his friends bit so often that you're just like, okay. I think everyone's officially sick of it now. I mean, God, the actor's probably even tired of playing it that way, right? Like, <laughs> at yeah. some point, you got to be just like, okay, yeah, we're doing this storyline again. <laughs> and, and the other thing, too, is, is I enjoyed everything with the Death Cult when Alicia was with them and all that stuff was going on. The only thing I didn't like was in the episode Mother when they come across the guys that her mother had found. 
and, and they the were people bad. from the stadium. Yeah, and they were bad. I was like, oh, come on. So now you're trying to hit us over the head that even the people that you saved, it's too bad. They're going to be bad anyway. And I'm like, I understand that The Walking Dead wants us to think that the world is a crappy place, but I still like to think that even if a zombie apocalypse happened, everybody would work together, whether they're bad or good. It wouldn't matter. People would be like, yeah, no, the zombies are bad. We got to work together to get rid of them. What's like, the... What's the Batman quote? It's you, you, uh, you live long enough to become the villain or you die a hero or something like that. Yeah. It's kind of employing that. And I, I agree with you. Like I thought, I thought we were legit going to get a return of the stadium crew and then they flip it and like, they're the, as they put it, the, uh, those unsavory types. (laughs) I'm one of them. It's just, I don't remember these, these guys at all. I remember, um, I think remember it was... the lead guy. I remembered him. Yeah, I, after a bit, I remembered but, but him. But not the other two car- actors. I didn't recognize. See, I recognized those other two because they were sort of like, sort of background characters, but they alluded to them a lot. But um, I remembered the main guy, Cole. Once I remembered, he had a relationship with Strand, so he he also hates Strand because I'm pretty sure Strand abandoned him because as he uh, tends to do. Uh, or no, he. Strand had like a vehicle he wanted to escape in and he showed Cole and Cole basically is like, you're a terrible person. And you know, Cole's not wrong, but, uh, I, I agree with you. Like them going back to the stadium, there's been this whole, like, you know, meta background to this season of fear the walking dead where like the fans are convinced that Madison is coming back and the producers Mm -hmm. keep saying, look, like Madison's a great character. She didn't die on screen, but we have nothing to talk about right now. And, they keep sort of addressing this fan outcry. Uh, and then we do get a portion of the show returning to the stadium. And I think at this point, like that's got to confirm it that, you know, Madison did die at the stadium. If she's not at the stadium when they went back there and everybody else is still there, like that's gotta be your hint (laughs) that it's not happening unless she was taken away by a mysterious helicopter. Or, well, which which kind of is, is the other kind of outstanding theory, right? <laughs> is yeah. that, you know, there there are more kind of moving pieces in the background that the characters on the ground can't see. But, uh, but yeah, in terms of, like, Strand, I, I really and truly thought he was going to... Yeah, I, I thought he was also going to die in this episode. Um, because the... So I recognized the actor, and I wasn't sure where it was from. And I know you've written in the notes he's from The Mandalorian, which is probably where I've seen him from. But um, when he walked in... And I saw who the actor was. I'm yeah. like, there's no way they got this guy for no reason or for like one episode. <laughs> yeah. right? Oh, I thought the opposite. I figured like, oh, this is totally like a cameo. And I think he's like a movie star. And I just figured, oh, if he's here, they're both dying. And and that's what they were setting it he's up to be. He's not the biggest star. Is he not? I guess just no, because he, I like... recognize him as the doctor from the man. And he's not even really in the man. He's in like two episodes. Like, Yeah, he's uh, he's he's uh, he's like cd level actor is he really well he's fascinating so i'm looking forward to seeing him he's been in a few yeah he's been in a few uh different tv shows over the years in like sometimes like multi um episode arcs but never really like his own kind of character he's also been a voice in a lot of video games but um yeah like i i did recognize him and i was like okay well if like maybe what i thought was 
this is going to be the introduction of like maybe uh, the next potential leader, like maybe Morgan's going to step back. And that because what I thought was going to happen, especially when Strand revealed that he wasn't Morgan, that he was the other guy. I was expecting the Mandalorian doctor guy, the historian to be like to just kill him. Like if the I bomb was didn't kill the them, same like, thing. I thought he was going to like push him out the window or I thought he was going to like pull a secret gun or like literally anything because he seemed like super ready to kill him when he first showed up at his like art museum. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then he was like, oh, no, I'm actually a good guy. And they had a nice chat or whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, this guy sounds like a good guy putting his people couldn't stop the bomb. Oh, that's sad. I'm going to have a, a, a drink with him and the end of the world will happen. And then when Strand does his whole like monologue, I was just waiting for a bullet hole to show up in his forehead. Yeah, I, I felt like that was what was coming. And I feel like that may have been their original intent. And then they changed it last minute. Mm-hmm. I have a very funny feeling that this last script, that they kept changing stuff last minute. There were so many moments where I felt like, Somebody was going to die, and they didn't die. Or somebody did die, and I wasn't sure if that character was going to die. And I was like, hmm. Like, I even questioned whether or not they were originally going to kill John uh, Glover's character at all. I was like, Mm. I'm I'm not sure that they... I actually thought for a half a second they'd have him stick around for another season. Yeah. I, I wonder, you know, when I see the ending of this season, and you see Strand, who's clearly going to be the next villain and or next bad guy uh that they'll have to deal with but i mean that mandalorian doctor actor guy i can't remember his name he kind of came off as someone who has survived by sort of sticking to himself and he might be sort of like a strand as well where he's done a lot of bad things to kind of stay alive he seems pretty well set up there so maybe him being cornered by strand he'll be like the you know, uh, sort of uh, what's the character from Lord of the Rings, like just sort of the the really bad sidekick who just sort of like is working with Strand, but is definitely afraid of him. So we'll do anything he says. Um, There's like a worm tongue. tongue, Yeah, but I guess not really. He was he was sort of just there. (laughs) The other other thing I'll say, too, about this show and all the Walking Dead show that's getting really annoying to me is. I'm getting sick of the CRM. They're oh, yeah. like this magical thing that like the helicopter showed up to get to, to get them. Great. I thought the CRM didn't like people. Okay. And then somebody made some kind of reference to the CRM earlier. Then we've got uh, the uh, the world beyond, which is the, it is. I, that thing's a piece of garbage. But <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched it. <laughs> yeah, do yourself a favor. Don't. <laughs> It's it's like it's ten episodes of beating your head against the desk. I, I think season really- two might be interesting, so like wait. I'll let you know if season two is good. You could probably jump right into it. I feel like they set up season two in a way that that could be interesting and finite. But uh, you're right. Like CRM popping up yet again um, is interesting because like they keep trying to bring it into the universe without really doing the work. And we talked about yeah. this with World Beyond, where when you look at the MCU and what they've done with a connected universe, and it always works because they put in the work, you know? And I think with Walking Dead, having a helicopter fly over once every, you know, uh, 30 episodes, it, it, that's not goes, doing the work. That's not goes, work. Yeah, yeah, and somebody goes, oh, 
they still got helicopters. I wonder who they are. Oh. And you're like, come on. Is that supposed to be Rick? That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I agree with you, I think. Uh, and they are, but they are, they, I'll give them credit. They are starting to play with CRM in a more interesting way and having them actually impact the world. I think the episode that um, in the previous season where uh, Al has that relationship with one of the CRM uh, soldiers, like that interaction is meaningful and then leads into what's happened in this part of the season where she reconnects Mm -hmm. with her and is able to save her friends through that sort of connection. And I think that's putting the work in, but like we still haven't seen, you know, what... The what that entire 10-episode arc of World Beyond involves CRM characters and CRM plot points, and we still don't know anything about them. And they still didn't make them interesting. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, yeah. give me something. Show me Rick. Do something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. I feel like so many people just want to see Rick again, but oh, uh, so. yeah. And, and, and I'm not even, I, I was kind of annoyed they didn't kill him off. I was expecting him to die. So when he lived, I was like, okay. And now it's been years and they keep going. And I'm like, I don't care anymore. Yeah. They keep dangling <laughs> that Rick carrot. And I mean, <laughs> Lou's not a fan. I just, I just need to see Andrew Lincoln on The Walking Dead again. And I think, I think, I think this is the year that we're going to get um, a first look at that movie, Rick, back on screen. Um, are we have we... to get a trailer this year because next season is the f- the end. They it's can't the final, end, yeah. They can't end the show and not have at least given us a trailer of Rick. Otherwise, nothing makes any sense. Well, it, it doesn't mean which anything. I think at, at the same time, I think that there does need to be a little bit of slack cut because of the pandemic. I yeah. mean, oh, yeah, I don't yeah. think that any of the timing of any of any of these plot points was actually like meant to happen when it's playing out on screen. I think there was supposed to be different releases of things and stuff got pushed back and, and you know, like there were all kinds of delays and things. So I think oh, yeah. I'm willing to cut some slack on some story points, maybe not making sense and and not having, you know, like the Rick movies before the show ends. Like, again, I don't think that was on purpose. I think that's just kind of been a, a fallout of the pandemic. So, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that, but I feel, again, I still feel like we're harping on the show a little bit. What are your guys' favorite moments from this second half of fear of the walking dead? John uh, joy jr. Showing up was the highlight of me, the show for me. You mean senior senior? Mm, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He died. Lou. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You just like gotta poke at that wound, man. No, when, uh, when Senior showed up, I had heard a rumor about that before it happened. And when it happened, I love that actor too. So I was like, "Oh man, yeah. they even got, they even got a bigger name to come in for his dad. That's awesome." Yeah, Keith Carradine um, is fantastic in this, and he, he just the way I love he talks his relationship with June. Honestly, like, I mean, the they they started off so rocky and they were, you know, like he didn't trust her. She was mad at him about all the all of the just John stuff. And they kind of come to this understanding. And now, like they they're acting like family and they just kind of mesh. And it's so fun to watch anytime 
the two of them are on screen. It's like they're almost better than June and John Dory Jr., right? Yeah. Like, I mean, and and those two were fantastic to watch together. But she, she and, and the dad are just, they mesh so well. One of my, they have this kind of, of like my, understanding, and I love it. One of my favorite moments is towards the end there. She shoots the gun out of somebody's hand. And he goes, man, she's a better shot than I am. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. It like he does seem to have like a lot of respect for her and and they they both have a a good like love of John that's kind of brought them together and I just I really really liked just June's arc this season. I feel like she she's actually she's giving me Maggie vibes but like in the show Maggie vibes, not like She's got other stuff going on outside, but she's got that like giant tragic she, lost love, and now she, she's a badass thing. <laughs> she's also one of the largest names in the show. Yeah. So uh, when it, when she showed up, I was expecting her character to, as soon as she showed up, and John was looking for her several seasons ago. I was expecting her to die because they don't usually keep around big names like that for whole seasons. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that she keeps sticking around, I'm like, all right, they, they, they're going to definitely make her a lead character. And John now being dead, I think they're going to use her to fill John's void. And the fact that his dad's now there, it's like, wow, it's going to be like we have two Johns walking around. Yeah, it's a nice, like, one-two punch, I think. So I, I hope we see even, like, June stepping up into that leadership role a little bit more would be interesting. Again, I just don't want Morgan in charge, basically. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think um, you got to give kudos to a show that can kill off one of the most favored characters in, in John Dory and then the next episode bring in his father um, and have it all work. I mean, they yeah. they hinted at it strongly that he was sort of still around. He had this big he was a cop and he was very focused on a specific case and that kind of ruined his life. And the way they kind of pull that in for the second half of the season with, uh, you know, John Glover's character and uh, Dory Sr. And it doesn't feel cheap. It doesn't feel rushed. It, you're actually looking forward to seeing this 40-year story come to a conclusion. And I, I think, like, that's why I really love this season is that they did so much with it. And it's hard to imagine, like, the stuff that happened in the first six episodes is the same season as the stuff that happened in the last six episodes. Like it's just, it's good varied television and you just don't get that with a lot of shows. And I think that's why the ending of this season sets up like just, I don't know what it's going to be like, you know, like it's going to be fallout, uh, the, the game, but walking dead, you're going to have strand as the bad guy. And they kept uh, uh, Dory Sr. around, which is fantastic. So I mm -hmm. oh, can't wait. My other thought was, is how is this going to affect the other shows? Because uh, something like the nuclear bomb going off, you're telling me, I mean, they're only in, it's, I think this is supposed to be like Tennessee. I think it's Texas, isn't it's, it? It's, well, I mean, the historian guy is from Texas. Right. Um, and I didn't get the impression that he, he went very far. I think I think we're kind of in or around Texas, but I don't know the geography of the states <laughs> well enough to really know. Um, so where are well, they in The Walking Dead? They're 
Well, we know that they're near the ocean, right? Because, you know, right. submarine, like nuclear submarine, <laughs> that's not the, the edge of a lake. <laughs> if they're near the ocean, they might be Texas because Texas yeah. does have a spot. It does it, have coastline, right? It, near yeah. Houston, they get hit I, with hurricanes, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's it, 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 the, the ocean side of Texas is not talked about much. But there is but a portion, <laughs> and it's not that big either. That portion of Texas, it's like, it's like maybe twenty or thirty miles, I think, that touch the water. So, hmm. yeah, and I think it's near Tennessee as well. Like either Tennessee is the next state over, as I know of a huge portion of like not last season, but like the oil where they were making oil, I believe that was supposed to be Tennessee. Yeah, I, so, I mean the geography of the show just probably mostly due they're, to they're, half being Canadian and half them not really explaining it all the time. So it kind of leaves your brain. Um, you struggle with like where people are at. But I think that's, again, it goes back to the beauty of the genre and that you can have a connected universe and you're going to have characters that are going to know that a nuke went off. Like I think CRM is very aware that a nuke has gone off. Um, but that doesn't impact the characters in The Walking Dead who are far enough away to not know what has happened like they may they may see some residual effects or some um you know weird weather patterns or something but at the end of the day like if they if they don't even address a nuke going off in the walking dead and and i mean this has already happened in the walking dead because i think they're a bit further ahead so they also have that working for them in their favor is that they kind of can skip past whatever's happened in fear but a nuke going off that far away doesn't have like there's not going to be nuclear fallout in the walking or there hasn't been nuclear fallout in the walking dead like it's far enough away where we we know those two groups haven't interacted yeah uh, the the walking dead is probably knowing if they're in texas tennessee area they're about a thousand miles from where regular walking dead takes place yeah so that's far enough away where because the internet doesn't exist anymore and there's only specific organizations <laughs> that uh that would know something like, again, I, I think CRM knows they would have no way to know. Basically. Exactly. Which is a good thing. I think you can do some fun stuff. Um, but as I said at the beginning of the segment, like dropping a nuke on your show, literally like that's a, that's kind of the, that's the biggest you can go right outside of, I think they hinted at like people in space in fear of the walking dead. Like we weren't sure if that was a dream sequence or not, but like, I think this is the biggest we've ever had in terms of, like, a literal game changer. You know, it's uh, it's exciting, I think. Yeah, I think I, it's, it's another opportunity for them to, like, pull a Mexico, right? Like, where yeah. they can just get up and leave and be like, we can't be here anymore. Where do we go? Right? Like, this is now a nuclear fallout zone. It's unsafe for us. And it gives them an opportunity to go somewhere totally different. Maybe they go to Canada. Why oh. not? <laughs> We've Someone's been talking about that since the show began. And then they've kept talking about spinoffs. And we're like, snow? Are yeah. we going to get zombies in the snow? No, we're going south again. And I'm like, come on. Well, <laughs> we got one episode in the snow. And I think if you watch the behind the scenes, it kind of proves how how hard it was for them to do because they literally like they brought in a bunch they shot on a huge sound stage they brought in a bunch of snow machines and like we're never doing this again it's just much easier to make all our actors sweat in in atlanta right so uh you know too is is half our tv shows are made in canada just how hard is it to make something take place in canada we'd watch it it's zombies (laughs) 
I would love to see like zombies in Vancouver that was just like zombies in the mountains and like that would be so cool. You don't even have to show it in the winter. Like it's fairly temperate out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would be really interesting to see. And I think uh, this is this conversation reminds me I, I watched I just saw a preview for Black Summer season two, which is I think the pseudo spinoff for Z Nation on Netflix. And the second season they, takes place in some snowy. They areas. say it's tied into that, but there's really there's almost no connection to that show. Thank God. That's yeah, that's a good thing for, for their sake. Um, yeah, well, I, I think like there's a lot to be said about this season of Fear the Walking Dead. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was all really good. I think unlike regular Walking Dead, I had all these episodes built up and I watched them in two sittings. And when I have to do that with regular Walking Dead, <laughs> I have to take breaks because there's only so much of that show I can handle at a time. It's like two episodes tops and then I got to like go for a walk. Because I can't, it, it, it's always so dour, and I'm always like, oh, please give me something uplifting. It doesn't have to be depressing all the time. Come on. Yeah. Well, I think Fear the Walking Dead just delivers because it's so varied, yes. and they do a lot with their characters. But um, I think, like, you know, what they've done with, what they've done with Daniel um, in pushing him into, they kind of push him into... You know, him having uh, his, his forgetfulness. And he kind of alludes to the fact that he's had this before and that he's starting, him starting to slow down is, is causing him to be more for, forgetful and um, sort of, you know, aloof, I guess. But uh, at the end of the, at the end of the season, he, he, he is redeemed a little bit in the sense, not redeemed, but he's able to, you know, com, you know, push through and, and hear these coordinates and kind of prove that he is, he is still a Daniel we know and love, and I'm glad everybody trusted him, and he was able to sort of save everybody with the CRM helicopter. But well, I mean, they trusted him after he shot a dude in the head. <laughs> yeah, but and I mean, they trusted him after he shot a dude in the head, and then they all talked, and they went, "Oh wow, he was in on it." And I was like, "I was like, that was just an excuse to get rid of that character." Okay, I get it. <laughs> I honestly, yeah, and like, I mean, I thought that that was pretty funny because, like, so Daniel shoots the guy in the head. All the other guy, like the bad guy, had to do was keep his mouth shut, and they would have stood there and bickered yep. for the like, and then they would have just died, which I thought is what the death cult wanted. Like he, the the guy in the truck didn't have to confirm anything; he could have just stayed quiet. Like that was such a weird sequence. <laughs> yeah, I I think you're right, Lou. They just wanted to get rid of that guy. I got the vibe that that guy spoke up because he just liked seeing them like like squirm and by telling them that they yeah, their friend betrayed them it was like he thought he was getting the knife and it was like no you're helping them live dummy <laughs> i really didn't understand sort like again like it, it, just to serve the purpose of getting that actor off the show because he was his character was a little obnoxious like he was kind of you know uh he he was part of a group that was sort of like fringe you know vigilantism he, he was type part stuff. of a group that started out as a huge group of characters and then by this season it was him <laughs> and sherry that just showed showing well, up they, they like, had to the get rid of them people? because they were they were pseudo bad guys right like they were they were sort of turned evil by virginia's they evilness virginia dead exactly and i mean that was their only motivation and then when virginia was dead i was like then why aren't they just joining another group and be, being like yay she's dead yeah. Well, you, no, no, you do no. get They're Sherry gonna... kind of, you know, switching sides and she goes back to to Dwight. 
And I, I think you're right. They had to tie up that group with with a tidy bow I, by having him be I, betray the group. I, I did love the moment when those guys kicked that family out of the bunk out of their basement, and then uh, Dwight uh, wings one of the guys, and the guy's like, "Oh!" And he shoots the guy in the leg. I was like, "Yeah, you deserve this." I was like, "Yeah, he, he does deserve this." Yeah. Let him let him get blown up in the nuclear the blast. We're not we're not worried about what might happen to to Dwight as a result of that, like that he might be going back down his old like Negan's right hand man ways. Well, I think that was the idea. Or do we think he's okay? Or do we think he's okay now that he's found Sherry and she's? I think he's he's okay. I think I think the point was supposed to be those guys were death cult, and we can't really let them stick around because what if they try and do this again next season? Let's just kill this guy off. Yeah. I think him giving the big speech, that's what Sherry was sort of saying. Like, you know, I hadn't seen that guy in a while. I, th- mm-hmm. I think it was more of like a positive thing. Whereas if he had just, you know, shot the guy in cold blood, like he was technically, I mean, he was leaving him to die, but, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't the murderer. It was that the, guy was about, that guy was about to leave a bunch of people out and the, the, kick them out of their own basement because. Oh, yeah. I'm under no like false pretenses that that was a good guy or anything. No, like, no. I know <laughs> that was a bad guy. He deserved what he got. It's just, you know, I just felt like Sherry line of saying, I haven't seen you like this in a while. I'm like, oh, are we, we heading I, down I, that I, Negan road? <laughs> I just felt like that moment was, yeah, I think Dory would have done the same thing. Mm. Yeah. I think that, you know, the what would cult. Dory do? <laughs> yeah, what would Dory do? I mean, we'll find out next season because we'll still have a Dory around. And yep. uh, I just like characters named Dory. I mean, it's uh, it's really great. Um, yeah, it's it's a strong half season. And, uh, you know, we we had some new characters that popped in that are now gone. And I really think that the next season kind of brings forward um still a good selection of characters that were introduced in this season. I think it's going to be really cool to see the dynamic between June and Dory senior. And yeah, I think John Glover's character dying at the end is fitting not only for the story, but also like if you have a character like that stick around too long, it just becomes kind of annoying. Like their personality. I could not imagine enjoying another season of like death cult guy. Could you imagine if they kept him around like Negan and he's just, it wouldn't it wouldn't sit well for very long like it just wouldn't it wouldn't make for good television so i think he served his purpose and just like the stadium crew like when they got rid of them it's like well they're evil so they have to kill them now and they can never come back because it it just it doesn't work that way like you although i'll say this universe has a real weird way of like bringing back characters that have been gone for years and they're always evil um Lou, you'll probably remember, and you might remember this too, Jocelyn. There's a character from the first season of The Walking Dead that comes back during the All Out War arc, and he's around, and it was hyped up and everything, and he's around for like five minutes. Daryl just puts an arrow in his head, <laughs> like <laughs> it's all that build up, and and he's evil, and you're like, oh, Rick's gonna switch him back to his good group, and it looked like it was going that way, and Daryl just pops his head and it's like kills him. <laughs> and that's it and i i i think this show really likes to do that with you know bringing back care although please don't do that with madison i think the internet would lose their collective shit <laughs> that would not be a good thing to do <laughs> Um, which is honestly and i mean i know that you know other than the stadium crew like it's not like she was actually in this season but uh man she is one of my least favorite characters in like the univ- the walking dead universe like i really didn't like 
her or her husband. Man, and even her son, like just the whole family, <laughs> except for Alicia, is kind of the worst. Like, I think the best thing this show ever did was get rid of that family unit. <laughs> well, every, she, her character was always annoying to me because she'd do something and I'd be like, wow, her character's awesome. And then, like, literally a dime and then do a bunch of really dumb stuff. And I'd be like, why is she doing that? This For her kids. Stupid. And then all of a sudden, she'd do something badass again. I'd be like, I like her again. And I don't. I don't like her again. And she was so wishy-washy. And then when they she died, I was like, all right, good. We're just, I don't have to deal with any more wishy-washy. <laughs> you know, um, it's it's interesting to see those characters, I think, uh, you know, walk off the show. Like Madison, I think she was redeemed in her death in that she did make a lot of mistakes. And, and a lot of people paid for those mistakes. But like... The way the husband goes, like the, I think the actor's name is Cliff Curtis. He just got Avatar money. So they shot him. They, he got a stray, caught a stray bullet in a helicopter and fell out. You know? He literally, yeah, which was he hilarious. Literally, <laughs> he literally landed a contract with, uh, he's in like the next two or three Avatar movies. And I remember us literally having a conversation where I said, yeah, he won't last this season. No. And then the next episode, they killed him. And I was like, yep, that's about what I expected. <laughs> yeah. And I think Nick Nick dying was sort of. It were like there was not much. They kind of painted his character into a corner, so they had to yeah. get rid of him in some in some fashion, similar to I think what they're doing with Strand, where like you can't you can't keep going back and forth. Is he a junkie? Isn't he a junkie? Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? So like getting rid of him in that fashion, where he's sort of you know he's taken out by his own need for revenge and 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 vengeance. Like it it worked for that character. Um, and I, you know, it's funny we bring that up because Charlie, who killed Nick, becomes a, a part of the group, is still around. And I thought, man, are they going to do that again with Dakota? I don't think you can you can have Dakota kill John Dory and have her just be with the group. Like you can't do it again, uh, you know. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm glad they didn't because I never like Charlie was an is an interesting character. Dakota's kind of they annoying. Needed, they needed a fresh start, and I think that's what we're going to get next season. Yeah, well, they they literally wiped the map <laughs> off. Yeah, the... yeah. <laughs> wipe the slate clean. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, uh, you know, with that, I, I think that's a good place to uh, wrap it up. I mean, I don't know if um, John Glover agrees, but... Um, <laughs> are more layers to you than I thought, Johnny boy! I liked his voice. He was really good, but... Uh, I can see how that could get annoying. Um, but uh, yeah, that's going to do it for our conversation of Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, it's it's gone until it comes back probably early next year. That's how TV shows work. And um, yeah, we don't really have any future plans for the show uh, outside of doing another episode in a couple weeks. But uh, I think actually now that I think about it, we'll probably have that Resident Evil animated series to talk about. So We'll look forward that, to that and i think there was something else coming out that you and i were going to talk about is that a is that a hint that i should know or are you stalling to figure that out I, i'm no i'm drawing I, a blank I'm, trying to, I'm drawing a blank <laughs> it's not I black summer a, i think we had a conversation where something was coming out and we were like oh we need to talk we need to talk about that like i'll i'll think of it i can't yeah well yeah, I don't know. There's a couple. So we got a couple things in the inbox. A couple oh, things oh, that are percolating. I, so. I, I, I remember what it is now, but we'll, we'll talk about it off air. All right, good. Well, uh, we will talk about that off air and uh, you will probably hear about it on our next episode of Zombies Ate My Podcast. 
Jocelyn, thanks so much for coming on the show. I say again, I'm pretty sure we've had you on the show before. I was going to look it up before we started recording. You've been on the show at least three, if not four times, I think, at this point. I'm, I'm sure I've definitely done Zamp before. This is not my first rodeo. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm curious. I'm, I'm going to look it up. It, it shouldn't be too hard to pop up here. Uh, although I... Um, yeah, so you were you were on just a couple of years ago, actually, for the end of The Whispers, uh, ah. the, the Whispers introduction. So uh, April 2019. Uh, don't you remember 2019? What a great year that was. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, not to bring bring that up. But uh, yeah, Jocelyn, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, can you let all of our fine listeners know where they can find you on the Internet? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter or Twitch. I'm at Joss Plays. That's J-O-C-E Plays. Uh, you can also check out The Gamers In with my fabulous co-host, Ryan, where we talk all things video games. Or uh, if you're a Hearthstone fan, check me out on The Angry Chicken. Nice. Definitely check out those shows. Both are fantastic. And uh, obviously, The Gamers In it's, it's, uh, holds a special place in my podcasting I'm heart. So biased. Yeah, no, no, I'm not biased. That's why I said they're both fantastic. <laughs> Uh, they're both fantastic. Um, but if you want to engage more with the Zamp community, you can go check out our Discord, bit.ly slash Zamp Discord. I want to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash Zombies Ate My Podcast. Go check out our website, zombiesatemypodcast.com. You'll find all of our past episodes there, including all the ones that Jocelyn was on. And uh, you can email us, info at zombiesatemypodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. And uh, while you're on Twitter, you can follow me at R. Murphy, Lou at Busy Zombie Lord, and Joss at Joss Plays. And a uh, quick shout out to Joel Duggan for the artwork. You can find more of his stuff at joelduggan.com. Lou, this has been Zombies Ate My Podcast. Take us out with your fine Busy Zombie Lord knowledge. Nuclear explosions are great ways to wipe the cast. Yeah, although they didn't because like everyone survived. I know. That I, <laughs> so I, I was like, man, are we going to wipe the cast down to... Down to- just Alicia, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs>